welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about Kuboop slash The Club, episode four, where a lot of stuff goes down. Unfortunately, you won't have Sophia's dulcet tones to guide you through the recap <laughs> because she is maybe just napping through her evening right now. We're not really sure. But... Hey, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> wake up, Sophia. <laughs> if you can hear me in Bogota, <laughs> wake up. Um, I am not drinking any tea, but I don't want to, so it's okay. Well, <laughs> it's wow. really, Congrats. it's like 90 degrees here, so I'm just <laughs> oh, not, I'm no. not feeling, maybe an iced tea vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like an Arnold Palmer. Mm-hmm. I tried an 18th hole recently, which is an Arnold Palmer with vodka. Not very good. Really? Yeah, you'd think well, it'd be th- delicious. Think, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's the tea and vodka, like not agreeing, because lem- I have Maybe. to imagine lemonade and vodka would be fine. Yeah, it has to be. It's sugar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I just had a bad one. I don't know. Maybe I'll give it another chance. Someone messed up the ratios. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also not drinking anything, and I feel very hydrated. I had a glass of water before mm. we started, so mm, I'm that's just, good. That's that's sh- good. That should just like fuel me through the rest of this late <laughs> evening recording session. Okay. We're fueled. We're ready to go. We're, we're wallowing in I'm disappointment hot. at hashtag Sophia. <laughs> Sophia! Hashtag wake Sophia. Please make yeah. a thing on our Twitter page. That would people. be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, if you like the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And if you have the extra cash lying around, think about sponsoring us. Um, it really, really helps. Obviously we got our microphones from that money. So, um, anything you can do helps, but rate and review is free. So definitely do that if you're listening. Thank you. So now I am going to take us through what happened in this episode. All right. You got this, Sammy. First, we have a flashback. We have Matilda and her lover boy, uh, Mumtaz, and they're taking the photo that we had seen earlier in Chilibi's desk. And it's kind of just like a foreshadowing of what we're gonna find out about who Chilibi is. Um, Then we're with Matilda and Rochelle. Uh, Matilda's actually being a pretty good mother and (laughs) she notices that Rochelle has been slapped even though, well, not even though. She notices Rochelle has been slapped and uh, she's like, don't let him do that to you. A slap's never a slap, good mother advice. Um, but of course, Rochelle is probably not listening. We go to Ismet and the lady who I hesitate to call American because she has a crazy accent. <laughs> Diana or Diane, what's her name, Diana, Diane? Diane, Diane, yeah. the uh americans or spies i don't know what she is but she's, she's like not overdoing the american accents the weirdest thing i've ever heard yeah it's really bizarre <laughs> truly i cannot describe how weird it sounds and he's sad but handsome but sad that's all he's we really i am loving that blue turtleneck he wore oh my god episode. i know the it's cable net so sweater sexy. it's yes. yeah and it's then he has a leather jacket on over. He just looks so good. Anyway. Yeah, he looks good brooding, but you know, domestic <laughs> yeah, abuse totally. cannot be forgiven. So no, goodbye. No, no, that, was, that was some bullshit, but he can wear that sweater anyway. <laughs> yeah, he wears the hell out of that sweater. Yeah. <laughs> then we go to Mordo and Rochelle and he's sweet and she's mean. And that's, you know, <laughs> maybe a little biased because I don't like her. But <laughs> yeah. That's basically the gist of the conversation. Um, he's like, don't be with his met. He slapped you. And she's like, Meh. <laughs> that's a direct quote. <laughs> um, okay. And then we get to a very interesting plot point that we will definitely talk about later. And that Eski's history section from the last episode really explains very well, if you haven't listened to that, but we get Orhan and some sort of bureaucrat from the Turkish government talking about how great Orhan is doing, how wonderful it is to see a Turkish man running this so I business. Think he's, I think he might be more from the Chamber of Commerce. Like, I don't Chamber think it's like, necess- okay. I don't think it's necessarily, he might be in his day job, a bureaucrat, the government, that's entirely possible. But I think the capacity that he arrived in was like a businessman's association gotcha, type gotcha, thing. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. 
Um, yes. Okay. So this gentleman from the Chamber of Commerce um, makes kind of like a throwaway comment about how terrible the Greeks in Cyprus are being um, because they're protesting. And Orhan's like, eh. And then he says, um, Orhan, we want you to be nominated for Turkish Businessman of the Year. Heavy However, underline on the Turkish. <laughs> yes, the Tur Muslim Turkish Businessman yes, of the Year. Yes. And we, he has a condition, though, which is that he must fire all of his non-Muslim employees. That's going to be a bummer because I feel like most of his employees are not yeah. Muslim at this point. Yeah. Um, so interesting. And we will talk about it later. Then we get a charming scene of Chelebi berating everyone who works at the club. <laughs> I wasn't sure what scene we we're going to talk about. <laughs> now I, yes. Because he's um, lost that poor Fatma girl's ID, not Fatma of the Fatma's hit list, unfortunately, because yes. she could really do some do some dirty work here with all the cleaning equipment. Um, <laughs> so Chelebi's mad. He's like just firing people in order to get somebody to confess. And of course, Matilda does confess because she's a badass mm -hmm. in this context. And then we see Matilda dressing Selim, which is a very odd job. I understand that this is something that rich people had done to them for, you know, a thousand years, but it's yeah. still weird. Yes. And I guess he's flirting with her. It's it's hard for me to imagine that he has any sexual interest in her, but he does seem to be flirting by every definition. So we'll see what they yeah. react to. I mean, he's he, the thing is like this character is never like like he never he doesn't have like a coming out or anything spoiler right, alert. Right, right. So like it's all just like you know what was it implied yeah so I, yeah. I agree with you it's like very flirtatious but never gives the impression of like you said anything but a platonic kind of buddy buddy right. thing right. yeah okay then we go uh Matilda and Rochelle are getting along well uh that's all I have written down uh so <laughs> deal with the people that's all yeah, we know. <laughs> that's all we get they're doing good Ismet and the giantest air quotes you've ever seen American woman talk about how <laughs> uh she kind of like shits on all Turkish men and it's like you're different you're a good man I was like this is weird but yeah she was um, like why do all Turkish men run away it was like what <laughs> like <laughs> it was very weird she's clearly had some bad experiences yeah, like I think the they're running from you lady like they, they heard you your weird your accent. accent yeah they heard your weird accent they were like this lady ain't American she's a spy yeah that's like, they were like oh my god this person's a spy get me away from here <laughs> oh god okay and they talk about how Isbeth is such a good man. He's just handsomely brooding on the couch. That's like his role. Mm, yeah, he looks, he looks again, real good. Even though we hate him, he looks real right. good. <laughs> exactly. I guess when I said that Matilda and Rochelle are getting along well, that was maybe the scene where Matilda got Rochelle a job at a tailor's shop. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is, seems like a great job for Rochelle because... Hmm, you know, not sure she's meant for much more. And that seems like, like, as long as she's not actually required to do any tailoring, she can just like fold the or clothes. Like, I think she'll be Or fine. like customer service isn't really her thing either. Oh God, customer service, no. Keep her in the back, but she can't, I keep, don't keep trust her, her like, to like actually she can, tailor She can anything. like fold, she can like fold fabrics fold. and things. She yeah. can fold for sure. Yeah. Fold with the best of them, Rochelle. You yes. got this. <laughs> do not talk to the nice people, Rochelle. <laughs> Um, then we get a scene that's again foreshadowing for the big reveal at the end where Orhan is chatting with his mom in their very luxe uh, apartment mm -hmm. and she's it's, can't a, it's really a whole damn house it's like a mansion yeah it's it's yeah, huge yeah. Um, she can't remember how to play a piano song that she should know how to play and we just get a lot of hints that she has some sort of Alzheimer's or dementia or something or he suspects that she does um, so look out for that going forward then Ismet goes home where his mother and father live, I guess, although maybe he's kicked his father out of this house. It's mm -hmm. like unclear, but basically his father is abusive to both him and his mother. And Ismet is trying to get her to stop covering for him, but does it in a very angry, violent way that is definitely not going to help her right. escape the situation. Right. So then Ismet goes and threatens his dad, Ali Shaker, and it's like, I'm going to kill you if I ever see you in my house again. 
all of this, I'm assuming, is meant to redeem him in our eyes, but obviously he's perpetuating the cycle, the cycle of, of abuse. So exactly. we're not Ismet fans here. No. I understand that he has more layers than it would seem, but that's not, doesn't make Most it Most important readable. layer being that sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a leather jacket girl myself. <laughs> I like, well, the combo. That's like two layers. The combo. Right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The combo. <laughs> Um, okay, then we have the most ridiculous scene of this entire show, which is Mordo oh. tries to threaten oh. Ismet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. What is Mordo thinking? Uh, it obviously just, Ismet is like, get out, and he does, because he's a little pipsqueak, yeah. and it was a stupid yeah. idea. I think Mordo <laughs> just needs to, like, enjoy being a child, get some ice cream, like. Get away from out. Rochelle, she's going to ruin Yeah, get away from Rochelle, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we have a remix of the Ladino song that we all really like oh, about yeah. the rich girl and uh, cute mini Pete Davidson is adorable and gives Matilda an apple and so just sweet. is really sweet guy. We like him a lot. He, he also, I noticed on this rewatch, he met Chelebi's eyes when Chelebi was like trying to threaten everybody. He mm. was like, bitch, I'm not gonna be kowtowed by you, which I was yeah, like, oh, foreshadowing. Yeah, he's a good guy. Then we learned that the girl Matilda saved is named Fatwa and she didn't actually escape Chelebi and she's very sad and I'm really not sure what this whole thing is about but Chelebi's bad. It's about Chelebi getting those earrings for that weird. Oh that my weird god that oh, we're getting to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm. Yeah. So Ismet visits Rochelle on her first day of work and says she should marry Mordo which I agree with, True. but poor Mordo. But yeah. <laughs> from Rochelle's point of view, that's absolutely what she should do. Matilda goes to find the person that the tailor suggested might know Chelebi's identity. And he's on um, Buk Adase. Mm -hmm. Buk Ada. Buk Ada. And it's a big Purim party. It looks incredible. It looks also, like so much fun. I know this is like more for the tea section, but honestly, I think this is becoming the tea section. Tea. Yeah interspersed with the recap like how did one get I know this wasn't that long ago but like even today like there's not that frequent of trips like out by ferry boat to the princess island so like for her to just like bop on over at night like does she have somewhere to stay I'm like I'm just concerned it's late you know Matilda's got her shit handled she she? Does. this is what you don't yeah, understand she's... like she just has it handled <laughs> you're right whatever it's... it is I she's got it, it. Right. <laughs> she handles her business I mean I couldn't like I would like be very flustered doing what she did nowadays with much more frequent <laughs> and quick transportation so yeah 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 it's true okay so at our Purim party, we learn a lot of important things. So interspersed with Purim party is the Chelebi kind of giving Fatma back her ID, sending her on her way, which is like a good gesture. But then he takes Matilda's earrings from Fatma and gives them to a sex worker and then has sex with her from behind. So it seems like he's having sex with Matilda, which is yeah incredibly very, fucked up and i very, definitely very, missed very this scene up. the first time yeah. i watched the show i must have been rushing through for class <laughs> and i was like what the fuck is this that's like some game of thrones stuff right there mm -hmm. i hate i hate him so much <laughs> yes hate him um okay we also learned from the very friendly uh elder gentleman at the purim dinner that chelebi went to jail for robbing matilda's dad and his and old was, name and this was even before the this was even before the tax was levied so it was, right. it was before the state sponsored um, right. robbery yeah right um so that's very interesting we learned that his name is aziz and i don't know more to come on that i'm sure but and he's and he was from well we already kind of knew this but he was from the same village as right. um Mimtaz. Right, right, right. That's important too. Yes. Yeah. He has some tie with Mumtaz. Yep. Okay. Then the final reveal of the episode, which was crazy, is that um, Orhan gets nominated for this prize and he's sitting next to his mother in the club and she says, Congratulations, Nico. <gasps> yeah. And she says it in Greek. Yeah. yeah. So we learn that Orhan. Yeah is greek and yeah. his name's nico yeah and he's and, and 
there was a he had a flashback scene I'm not sure if you mentioned the flashback scene that he had earlier in the Mm -hmm. episode but he was having a flashback scene when he was I think it might have been just before he the scene where the Turkish businessmen's league whatever dude was telling Mm -hmm. it was you know saying that he was being groomed to get this award or whatever I think it was just as that scene was starting it cut to a flashback of child Orhan being locked in a what looked like a closet with his mom hitting the door and saying what's your name what say like your name is Orhan what's your name so like yes they all assumed Turkish names Muslim identities etc um clearly so they wouldn't have be sub my guess is to not be subjected to the population right exchange and he also um made some like passive aggressive comment at her that was like you've done terrible things to me yeah right yeah Yeah. so there's some sort of horrible traumatic past there as well i mean no spoilers but this is like the most devastating subplot (laughs) oh god in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) great 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 yeah um, then the final shot is Matilda meeting Chelby for a showdown on the roof. And she's uh-huh. like, bitch, I know your real name. And then the episode ends. That damn roof. That damn roof. <laughs> the roof where it happened as are going to move on into our gossip slash banter slash spilling the non-existent tea slash hashtag wake up Sophia section so yeah continue to wake up <laughs> Sophia I mean I, I spilled a lot of my tea as we as you were recapping I know, um, I know so so please kick us off Sammy okay um first this show is very well thought out very modern in its um like caution and in-depth surveying of historical topics Mm -hmm. why did they decide they needed to redeem a domestic abuse abuser as part of this man's plot just don't have her don't have him slap her just have him break up with her yeah like this is such a well put together modern like sensitive show i don't understand why they need to have that subplot it's just so stupid Honestly, like I agree with you. I hadn't after watching the show through once, I I completely forgot about the slap, forgot about like everything um problematic Smith did because there's a far more problematic redemption arc that I hate more. Ugh. And that is like on the forefront of my like that's like the number one uh drawback from the show that I had uh, mm-hmm. on, on an otherwise, like you said, very well-researched, well-balanced, well-acted, et cetera, production. Um, people just don't seem to know, people being like showrunners, just don't seem to know what to do with problematic men. Because mm-hmm. I, I just feel like people think that we need to have like these lead male characters that are like eventually made to be good. Like, no, we don't. Like they like the women stand on their own. They're super strong, very well-developed women characters. You can just be like, oh, she encountered this shitty man. <laughs> and then that <laughs> ended. <laughs> like he does yeah, not want to be like made he, good. He broke up with her when he found out she was Jewish. Yeah. Then they have more travails going yeah. forward. Like, yeah. Or like you said, yeah, avoid the the abuse and just have it be like, oh, they are like their relationship is toxic in the sense of they don't want to talk to each other right now because of like all the lying and stuff and right. prejudices, etc. But yeah, as soon as you know fists and slaps start flying especially from the person holding power in the Mm -hmm. society versus the less powerful uh person yeah no bueno it also it just like you know talking about this now also reminds me of how awful uh atia was about (laughs) this stuff too oh my god atia was was like the queen of no trigger warnings (laughs) Uh, yeah seriously this show like is pretty clear that bad shit's gonna happen but yeah Yeah. right and then he's he's put opposite to mordo who is like the nice meek character that i guess she's not supposed to be into at all because he's not a bad boy but like why shouldn't she be into him yeah 
Yeah, totally. Sigh. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> um, okay. I'm interested to see what happens with cute Pete Davidson in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're clearly setting him up to be an important character. Uh, I, I'm guessing like kind of like the ally character for yeah. the uh, non-Muslim workers at the club. Um, It'd be great if we could figure out what his name was. It would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> I hate calling him cute Pete Davidson because I really don't think Pete Davidson is cute. So I feel like the right. implication But like is... he's got a facial structure, a head shape that is very reminiscent of Pete mm-hmm. Davidson. And like his teeth kind of too. <laughs> yeah, he's a cutie though. He um, is such a cutie. I don't really get why like, I guess they don't explain it either. Like they, like Jaime, like specific, Jaime is like the party, party going old man mm-hmm. on Bukada. Um, He knew that Aziz Somonjolo had like this Chedebi nickname, but like he was like, I don't know why they call him that. It's a weird thing. I like. I, I wonder why. Like, I don't remember that being explained. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just like a convenient, like alias that like, he assumed, just because like some. But like, it's not even like a cool like, like name like nickname to call your buddy or anything. It's just like a name. It's just like a last name, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, uh, like Chidevi was like also kind of like an honorific title too, but like. Mm-hmm not I don't know like you would if you really wanted to like have a pet pet name for your buddy like you know platonic of course but like for your male buddy as a male like I feel like you want to say like pusham like you know call him a pusha not a shit I don't know so for me it was like it's a weird choice but Mm -hmm. maybe they did that maybe like the choice by the screenwriters was just so it sounds like a name in and of itself you don't even realize it's an alias right right, like oh it's an alias right that makes sense yeah, I mean, think that also that man was looking so old, the party man on the island. I'm so glad that she got to him and like <laughs> got that info. Like, yeah. I swear to God, nobody else knew that. Also, cool, cool side note that I learned from watching interviews that the cast gave to like various uh, Turkish like news outlets and stuff and YouTube channels um, was that a lot of those older folks in the Purim scene in the like courtyard hanging up laundry singing scene which makes this sound like a musical it's not <laughs> um <laughs> all of those older folks singing in ladino or speaking ladino or in those environments where we hear ladino they're actually turkish sephardic jewish actors so they're people um, and, and one of them and i can't i don't think we've seen her yet but there's a um minor side character who i think is like maybe Mordo's like mom not mom or like aunt or something that we meet in a future episode uh, this older woman she uh, turned out later when I was watching these interviews she turned out to be actually like the language coach also for the whole for the cast members who don't speak Ladino which is the entirety of the main cast um, but they learned how to pronounce things properly with her and she's a um an, an actress who has performed in ladino and turkish and i don't remember her name but by the time we get to that episode i'm gonna you're gonna give her another it. shout out yes <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool yeah see yeah. that's what i mean like this show is like so well researched and like culturally yeah. sensitive and then they're yeah. like domestic abuse he's a cute bad boy it's like what is happening yeah anyway like um, I said, that wasn't even like so that I don't even remember that because that didn't even stick out to me as egregious as <laughs> something else. Oh god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh other people are are more forgiving, I guess. Uh yeah. Especially in a country with so much domestic violence. Like that's what kills me. Is like yeah. there's such an ongoing epidemic of domestic violence and, and murders of women um by their husbands or domestic partners. It's like really got to set a good example on tv anyway yeah go on sammy (laughs) you know what doesn't happen with the main character on cut apart of ash he's the best um okay so yeah can we talk about our guy nico yeah nico slash what's his last name orhan he has like a very just generic turkish name 
they like couldn't have picked a more gen- I can't remember what it was but yes yeah I don't remember what it was either um that's it's, wild yeah it explains why like when I was first watching the show I was like this man is so conspicuously single is he or him and Satan gonna have a thing or like right yeah, like, yeah, yeah what's yeah. going on like what's the reason for this and then that this getting to episode four, I was like, oh, nope, he is alone because he has a literal life-threatening secret um, right. that he cannot, like, he literally can't share his life with anybody. And certainly not now when mommy is not all there anymore, yeah. unfortunately. Fading very quickly, like, seems like she went from, like, I don't know if it was the same day, but, like, went from just forgetting about how to play a certain song on the piano to like switching over to Greek, which was clearly the most forbidden thing. I mean, I do think, I think there's a lot of time jumps in the show. Yeah. Like, I think like Matilda's been working at the club for a while, not like two days, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So I do think there's time jumps that we just don't really notice. Yeah. Um, And also it's it's possible with Orhan's like line of work that he's not going to be home. Like he might be at home for a couple hours to crash, but he might also be crashing in his office. Right. um, right, right. After a show. And then he's there early in the morning again. So he might, he might not actually see his mom for days at a time. And then (laughs) this is really like a fast moving, fast degeneration that's happening. Then it's possible from time to time, he would notice a huge change. Right. Yikes. Yeah. So that's going to be a really a problem. I don't know why they would have taken that step to, I mean, obviously there's a lot of prejudice, but like, it seems like even riskier to be caught out, to be lying about your identity. But I guess in uh, ye olden days, pre Google and LinkedIn, it was, it was and phone calls and stuff. It was uh, easier to invent a new identity. Mm-hmm. especially if you think about it in the 19 so the population exchange happened in 1922-1923 uh, at that point people didn't have last names on file until the early 30s so mm. you literally like you just you're like okay kid now you're Orhan okay right. mom, you're now whatever her name is in, her Turkish name is and that was all there was to it and then like 10 years later they actually you know the country was kind of up and running to the state where people get, where people kind of got got their official ID cards and whatnot. So, yes, if you're trying to if you're trying to reinvent yourself, no better place to go than a newly founded country where there's lots of chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. The neat thing about um, the actress playing Orhan's mother, um, she so she's Turkish, but she grew up or. She grew up in Turkey, but her roots are in the Balkans. So I, so her family would have come over from the Balkans during the population exchange, most likely. Um, I'm not 100% sure about that, but either that or they came over during the Balkan Wars or prior, just prior to it. Um, I have similar ancestry in like early 1900s, like my great grandparents on, on my mom's side came over. Um, after fighting, like after my great grandfather fought in the Balkan Wars, um, they came over to Asia Minor, and then um, so, but the, but his roots were in Albania. So hers, that actress's roots are similar. I forget if she's her roots are in Albania or in they could be in North Macedonia too. But anyway, she's actually she got into the entertainment industry by being a makeup artist backstage to the stars. Um, she still does that. She's like the makeup artist for like says that says doesn't do live concerts anymore. But when she did, like uh, up until like she stopped touring and stuff, she was her makeup artist. Um, but then she was like so kind of fun and like artistic and like good with that crowd that they were like hey why don't you try like singing like you sing it you sing while you're doing makeup for us like why don't you just uh-huh. come on stage and like sing and then she she was good at singing and she came and she also has made a a singing career of doing um uh, folk songs from the balkans um so she'll sing in albanian greek That's so macedonian cool. um serbian so she's got really good she's on uh, spotify if you want to check her out her name's suzanne kardesh i also have a funny personal story about her so i i was in um istanbul a couple of years ago pre-pandemic with a friend of mine from poland and i was like okay, what can i take my friend to where he's not gonna feel super 
out of the loop because he doesn't speak Turkish. I was like, oh, Suzan Kardeş is having like a concert, but the concert was at like a sit down venue with like dinner and Rakı. So I was like, okay, this is a great, you know, she's going to be singing in all kinds of languages. It's not right. like, uh, and like some of them are Slavic languages. So I thought, okay, this Polish guy will appreciate that. Um, I don't know how she did it. She sussed out, we were at the back. She sussed out that my friend was foreign. And she came, she came right over to him and she was in English. She's like, where are you from? And then he's like, Poland. <laughs> he's like, Poland. And then she's like, okay, so you're going to, we're going to sing together now. We're going to sing oh a my song. God. We're going to sing a song, you know. And then he's like, I-, I think he thought, and I thought too, that it was like some Polish song that she happened to know just because she knows all these languages. And then she was like, okay, we're going to sing Jingle Bells. So then they sang, <laughs> they had started playing Jingle Bells and they sang Jingle Bells. Was the most, oh my God, most, that's so cute. One of the most ridiculous moments of my life. And he, he was like very flustered by it, <laughs> but it was amazing. Yeah. So we love her. We love Suzanne. Very sad to see her like not in a good state in this role because <laughs> the character, I mean, that yeah. she's playing. But this she's a, a good bummer actress. of a role. It's a bummer <laughs> of a role, but to go from like makeup artist to singer to actor. Now she's on she's on a different like historical drama now, like on network TV too. So she is she's just killing the game. We love her. That's awesome. That's, that's my sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then I guess the last thing to discuss is the weird Chelebi's in love with Matilda subplot, which is just gross and like, Super gross. I guess it explains why he always backs down from her. Kind of, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I'm not into it. I mean, it's clearly like we've seen him sexually abuse abuse people for just just because he has power like the whole kind of it's a very like casting couch type of thing that he's got going with the girls who want to work right. at um the club we've seen that but now we're like like it, it's like a, it's like a super super creepy like obsessive stalkerish yeah quote unquote, yeah, yeah air quotes love um, right very disturbing uh and we, I hate him. I, I, I feel like I can't say anything more without spoiling anything, but okay. I hate him so much. Yeah, I think <laughs> if this is part of the downfall of Matilda's family story, then I think it's interesting. If it's just yeah. part of Chelebi's story, then I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I'll put it. All right. Shall we move on? We shall. Okay. So today for our history section, we are going to be talking about Sephardic foods and the holiday of Purim, which we saw in the episode today. Don't get too excited about learning about Purim. It's really, really complicated and your host is not smart enough to understand all the historical stuff, but (laughs) we're going to talk about food and costumes and drinking and it'll be a good time. Um, Yeah, our in in was the food that's uh, that was what we were all discussing in our group here. chat yes we were like wow there's a lot of delicious looking food in this episode we should talk about food which i mean statistically is probably what we've talked about the most in our history sections it's my goal to try and talk about food every time it's just right. that other things intercede yeah last time was a little heavy so i'm glad we can talk about food and partying now yeah um <laughs> so in addition to the Purim feast, what kind of sparked my my personal suggestion that we should talk about Sephardic Jewish cuisine was the um, borekas or borekitas. They called them, I think, both. Um, I, I'm guessing borekitas is like the cute version of borekas. <laughs> um, and the, both words are etymologically from borek, which I'm I'm fairly certain we've talked about in one of our <laughs> history sections at some point. At least we've mentioned it with Love 101 and the, the gang eating uh, subore before class one time. It's a, it's a savory pastry, most commonly made of uh, layers of phyllo dough with various stuffings, although it doesn't have to be phyllo dough, but that's one of the most uh, typical ways of making bodek. Um, you can have cheese, you can have potatoes, you can have beef, you can have spinach, um, spana kopita, which is a Greek borek, Greek variety of borek, is just spinach borek. That's like what we would call it in Turkey. Uh, and borekas are 
um, a variety of bodics, so savory pastry um, made and um, I guess made and marketed by the, the Sephardic Jewish community. I'm sure consumed by everyone, but marketed and prepared by the Sephardic Jewish community. So in the episode, uh, Matilda brings Rachel potato, eggplant, and I think cheese uh, borekas. And uh, eggplant is unusual to me. I, I've seen kind of standard Yeah, burdick. that sounded kind of odd, but delicious. Yeah. yeah. I love I've, eggplant. There are, there are um, bakeries that like specialize in, well, not, not, they're, they're not, like, they're not called burdick bakeries necessarily, but there will be bakeries throughout, especially big cities that just like have an exceptional selection of burdick. And I have seen eggplant and what I would consider more unusual uh, fillings there, but um, it's not, it's definitely not like something you should approach any bakery or whatever with the, in Turkey with the expectation of finding, but I, I agree with Sammy, it sounds delicious, um, would, would like to try. In Googling Borekas, it was interesting because I found a lot of English language recipes. Huh made uh, written by people saying that their grandmothers used to make it which you know tells me that their grandmothers uh or or other elderly relatives um must have immigrated from turkey or their ancestors must have to Mm -hmm. whatever country they were in so i thought that was interesting to see the uh the diaspora diaspora element of things (laughs) um anyway so that's that's just a tiny subset of Sephardic Jewish cuisine. Sephardic Jews, we keep talking about how they lived, they, you know, came to the Ottoman Empire um, in 1492, uh, as we talk about the show, because obviously this show is about the Sephardic Jewish community, specifically in Turkey and specifically in Istanbul. But the Sephardic Jews are all over the world at this point. Their cuisine has transformed and evolved, like everyone's cuisine through movement and just like, I don't know, the passage of time, availability of more ingredients, etc. Um, so in reading about Sephardic Jewish cuisine in preparation for this segment, I even encountered a note about a woman named Esther Levy who lived in, who immigrated to New Amsterdam and wrote about Sephardic Jewish cuisine in one of the first kind of American Jewish cookbooks. So um, Sephardic Jewish cuisine is hashtag international everywhere, everywhere you go. But uh, I will try to hit on some of the similarities between Sephardic Jewish cuisine and Turkish cuisine because I was struck by that the use of um, vegetables, olive oil, lentils, chickpeas, very kind of uh, staple Levantine, Middle Eastern, Mediterranean flavors, which makes sense because they came from the Iberian Peninsula, which is already Mediterranean in and of itself. So a lot of those flavors, I would assume an ingredients, uh, with the exception of, of course, peppers and tomatoes and all those came over from the new world. But um, once they did, I assume they were embraced with the similar enthusiasm across the Mediterranean. Um, so, you know, a lot of stuff like dolma, um, yaprak sarmas, which are the stuffed grape leaves. I see they have different names, but kind of like Ladinoified names, <laughs> like Turkish words, like similar to borekas that have been uh-huh. um, transformed a little bit to sound more Spanish or Ladino. Um, and then, you know, in reading the section of the article, and Wikipedia, the Wikipedia article is very detailed, by the way, I will fully endorse it here for folks who are interested in the deeper dive. Um, in the dessert section, they were talking specifically about baklava and Turkish coffee as, as common um, ways to finish meals. So super, super uh, integrated cuisines. I would say uh, uh, one of the icons of Izmir cuisine is boyos, which is another, it's, it's like a burdek, but it's, I would say it's greasier and tastier <laughs> even than a lot of burdek because it's so, you know, it's, it's the greasy, but not in a gross way. It's like, you just, you know, you know, fat, fat tastes good. Fat is good. Yes. Um, but it's a savory pastry with all kinds of different fillings, similar to burdek, um, very soft, um, served piping hot in the morning, Places that sell boils in Izmir will sell out pretty quickly, unless they're, it's bad boils, then nobody wants it. But all the good famous places will sell out <laughs> right away. Um, and that's, I didn't, I, I, I knew it and I forgot it until we were talking about in the group chat earlier today that it was a Sephardic Jewish, uh, it came into Turkish cuisine through uh, mm. the Sephardic Jewish community. So 
yeah, it's 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 not surprising since you know the community has been present throughout uh, modern day Turkey since the late 1400s, um, you would naturally see some blending and integration there. So um, another fun fact that just just want to highlight is that it, it would seem, according to Wikipedia, that fish and chips originated from the Iberian <laughs> Jewish community, which also makes sense because I read this. I, I'm going to endorse this book. There's a book called Cod. I can't remember the author's oh, name. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Very good. Have you he, read it, Sammy? Yeah. Uh, I have not, but he wrote um, a book about New York City that was like ah. a big deal. Oh shit, I want to read that now too. Uh, Oyster, I believe it's called. Oh. Mark Kurlansky. Yes, thank you. Mark Kurlansky wrote a great, another great book called Cod about the fish. And uh, it's thought, it's hard, it's obviously hard to pinpoint who were the first um, people to. Uh, catch cod and like salt and think to salt them and bring them to mainland Europe could have been Vikings could have been any number of um, seafaring people in especially northern Europe but I think the strongest slash most compelling evidence um, in Kurlansk that Kurlansky was able to find was um, Iberian uh, especially Basque fishermen so it kind of makes sense mm -hmm. that cod would come in to Europe through the Iberian Peninsula there's Sephardic Jews there, they embrace it, and and uh, salting your food was the only way to do things pre-refrigeration, so it all makes a lot of sense, although I guess the chips couldn't have come in until again, post-1492. <laughs> um, shout out to the new world for having like every delicious vegetable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although I just googled it and eggplant originates in India so oh, okay. shout out to the right. old world. <laughs> shout, okay the old world still got it still got it but <laughs> tomatoes peppers and potatoes are pretty important too. <laughs> um, yeah I think that's all I care to share about Sephardic Jewish cuisine without going <laughs> on for like another two hours. <laughs> okay here I go. People, if you're knowledgeable at the, about this subject, please tweet at us, write at us. I'm apologizing in advance. I'm hoping to give a very brief overview. Okay, so Purim is a Jewish holiday. So it celebrates the saving of the Jewish people from Haman, who is an evil vizier, aren't they all? <laughs> and an official of the Achaemenid Empire who was planning to have all of Persia's Jewish subjects killed. And it, the Jesus. story is told in the book of Esther. Um, so basically, Haman's the evil vizier. There's a Persian king with quite a name. Isn't that Xerxes or is that Oh, it else? is. Oh, why? I don't know why they have the weird name listed first. But yes, it's Yeah, Xerxes there's a name the with like far too many letters. <laughs> yeah, but too Xerxes. many vowels. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Xerxes the first and the plans to, he had evil vizier had plans to kill all the Jewish subjects, but luckily there was this Jewish girl Esther who ended up married to the king and this good Jewish boy Mordecai who saved all the Jews and defeated the vizier somehow. It's very complicated, nice. very very complicated. But bad guy the Haman, Disney version, good guy Mordecai. Yes, this yeah. is the Disney version. There you go. That's exactly what it is. Princess Esther. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the handsome uh, Prince Charming, Xerxes the first, yep. and uh, yeah, well, maybe not. He made his wife parade around naked, so we don't. Uh, know. Anyway, great. <laughs> uh, Purim is celebrated in the spring, usually in uh, March or February, but of course the Jewish calendar is different from the calendar we use, which is the Gregorian calendar. True. Right. Um, it's celebrated by listening to readings of the Book of Esther, um, sending food and giving to charity, dressing in costume, eating a meal, uh, parties, and drinking alcohol, especially wine. Do you know where the costume thing comes from? Like, is it? Yes. So okay. the costume thing, uh, there is a theory because as was explained in the show, um, part of the festival is like not being able to tell the difference between good and evil, just like seeing mm. people as they are. 
um, that they told that about the drinking, which was wild. Yeah. But <laughs> the costumes are a part of that. Um, another theory is that because you're giving to charity, you want to be anonymous. Ah, and okay. then finally, the most relevant, probably most true theory is that the Jewish community in Italy saw how much fun the Italians were having in Carnival <laughs> and were like, we want our own thing. <laughs> okay, okay. That, 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 that does make a lot of sense. Theory. Yes, yes. <laughs> Like we got um, people we want to have a good time right we want to have a party we want to have costumes uh, it sounds great <laughs> why not um the drinking thing as told in the show is correct um which mm -hmm. i think is pretty wild but obviously most people don't observe to that level <laughs> they just go and have a good time <laughs> i must drink until i can't distinguish between right and wrong <laughs> yeah what a goal <laughs> That, that old man what was his name Jaime he was ready he was ready. he was oh yeah he was like I am gonna observe the shit out of this holiday yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now we are moving on to our favorite and final section, which is what the fuck, solution of success, Fatima's hit list, and hashtag wake up, Sophia. <laughs> I was like, what is our next segment? But it was just hashtag wake up, Sophia. <laughs> uh, okay. What the fucks? Obviously, as we've said, this show does not have that many uh, silly ones, but I have one. How did Ooh. people in the olden days know when to wake up? Oh wow. Because like Rochelle wakes up for work and it's like very sunny out. And I was like, oh my God, did she oversleep? And then I was like, how would she even know? I mean, they had alarm clocks in the 50s that, that existed. Did they? Yeah. I don't know. I did, mean, like the world did. In that I don't apartment? Know if, I, don't, I don't know in that apartment, but like they existed in general for yeah, I think yeah. alarm clocks have been around for a long time because you can just like set them, the real old analog ones. But yeah, in that apartment, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery yeah they're people's biological clocks were probably more in tune with things or the expectation was less be here at this time i do think that's more of a modern right, kind of late right. capitalist thing mm, that's a good point like industrial yeah. revolution kind right, of right even though this is again the 50s like especially in the industry that matilda works in even where rochelle's going to work like for matilda it's like just get there in the morning right. when we're like hours from showtime. And then for um, Rashad, it's like, well, it's like a mom and pop tailor shop. So I, they're not gonna open when it's dark. So I guess when it's light out, just show up, who knows? But I do feel like they're not being held. Uh, neither job is holding them, at least for Matilda's in, in that time of the day to the clock as much as, we are right now in the age of Zoom and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag wake up, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia's also in the 1950s. <laughs> I do have to say that my dog's uh, biological clock is unbelievably accurate. Yes. Like literally to the yes. minute she knows when her breakfast time is. So maybe we yeah. used to be like that. Maybe, yeah. Now we're just desensitized lumps of flesh. Right. We are lumps <laughs> from Wally. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, what the fuck to Chelevi? I just, ugh, gross, blah. So gross. What the fuck to Mordo thinking that he could intimidate his pets? Such. I see this just Smith was literally like, why is this child in my car? Yeah, he was. And especially when they like, the two of them were sitting that close to each other, it really was like, wow, like what is Mordo doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he has noble intentions, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then finally, because I'm not going to let Rochelle get off that easy. What the <laughs> fuck to Rochelle bringing her boyfriend problems to her first day of work? Not good. Yeah. Go back into the back and start folding, Rochelle. We are only allowed to fold. Only folding. <laughs> um, I don't think I really have any WTFs. That, I mean, we talked about the smith problematic stuff already we hate shit we've already said that yeah yeah nothing to add excellent excellent recap of the um eyebrow raising moments 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, Sultan of Success. Hmm. I feel like Matilda has really just gotten some good info. <laughs> I agree. She did a lot of detective work. Yeah. Um, she stood up to Chelebi multiple times and nothing happened to her. Yeah. Um, she's, she's increasing got a buddy her giving her apples. Right. She's got a cute little buddy giving her apples. She's got <laughs> Selim as her buddy who's kind of yeah. like another protector in the workplace, like yeah. protecting her position. Yeah. And she's confronting Chelebi, which I feel like is not a smart move, but we we don't know that yet. So we, we don't really have, like it's really hard to gauge with his level of like the, the level of danger he poses because on the one hand he's a sexual abuser and he's like holding people's IDs hostage, but at the same time he seems to like melt anytime Matilda says. Yeah, he 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 does not hold yeah. up against Matilda, so yeah, she's safe from him. Yeah. Okay, Fatwa's hit list. Chidibi Smith. Yeah. But we want we we want the sweater and leather jacket to be okay. Yeah. But Ismet can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Chelebi to me. I would throw in the fake American accent I was as about to a say, fun one. Should we, should we have that? Just just the accent be assassinated? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really should. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, Chidibi, I think is gonna hold. Well, I, there's other people that we haven't met yet, but like Chidibi is a strong contender every episode. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay. Well, congratulations to our Sultan of Success, Matilda. Watch out to our perpetual winner, Chelebi, and also to our uh, <laughs> I don't know fun weekly winner. Uh, which is the fake American accent <laughs> of the spy lady. And uh, she should watch out for Fatma coming at her vocal work. And, and, and spoiler <laughs> alert, the Fatma who had um, Matilda's earrings is just Fatma the assassin in disguise. So. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, so everybody watch out. <laughs> everybody <among> watch out. <laughs> and she's gonna love that um, housekeeping room with the yes. giant cauldrons of boiling water and coals oh, and stuff. That's so her playground right yes, there. Yes. <laughs> Um, thank you all so much for listening. Hashtag wake up, Sophia. And we will talk to you guys next time about episode five.